Welcome to Crime and Caffeine. I'm your host, Erica. And I'm your host, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Today, we'd be sipping on a coffee that I, well, technically I wasn't really gifted it. I kind of stole it. <laughs> <laughs> it was at my in-law's house and they have like one of those Nespresso machines. So they were gifted the coffee and they can't use ground coffee. So I was like, oh, cute. What's this coffee? Because it said chocolate and orange. And you know, you already know that's our favorite. And it's the theme of all of Max's yummy coffees. (laughs) So they said I could have it. And this is the Fresh Catch Coffee. And it has a little fishy on it. So mine is the Bonefish. And I'm living, breathing it also just reminds me of the restaurant bonefish all the time, and then I just crave bang bang shrimp. So that's what I was thinking when I saw it. But I told Erica about it, and I told her she had to order some. So I've got the mahi mahi, which is brownie and walnut flavored. Mm. So good, so good. It's making me want a brownie. Uh, but Fresh Catch is really awesome because 5% of all profits go back to water conservation through Tampa Bay Water Keeper. So really awesome cause. Yes. So if you guys – well, obviously, you don't have to be in the Tampa Bay area. If you just go on freshcatchcoffee.com – oh, my God. Did you just hear Gus? I did. That was ridiculous. Anyway. He's very passionate about water conservation. He is. He wants to save all the fitches and the waters. So you can go on their website and get you some coffee. Guys, also, um, once once you're hearing this episode, well, the day before this episode is released, the thir- the Thursday, um, is our anniversary. It's our anniversary. I we're, cannot we're believe that we've been doing this for a year. That's crazy. Thank you guys so much for your support in this last year. It's been so fun and so rewarding doing this. It's been an amazing journey and learning experience. So thank you guys so much for everything. Like we literally would not be doing this without you. So yeah, literally, but yeah, going off of what Erica said, we love you. And just cause we're one doesn't mean we're stopping at one. We're going to keep going. We're going to have 80 million years worth of anniversaries. <laughs> To segue back into the coffee, every time I hear you say mahi-mahi now, I think of, um, what movie is that? House Bunny? Where she's at dinner. She's like, I'll just take the one mahi because I'm not really that hungry. (laughs) Thank you guys for your patience. I literally had a concussion because I'm like (laughs) the clumsiest person in the world. So apologize in advance for um just some scheduling change-ups but we are back we have a this is obviously a friday release but we are back to our normal scheduled programming um in the week to come for a while (laughs) we have been playing it but honestly april was a crazy month over here in this household so i I don't even care i know you guys understand i know you guys are cool but i did get some some people being like Where's the episode, ma'am? Where are you guys at? I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I honestly didn't think anyone little, would notice. <laughs> maybe if my little girly didn't bonk her head. It was ridiculous. But we're better. We're good to go. Um, 
So yeah, Allison, what have you got for us today? I'm excited. Well, I figured I'd come back with a bang. I'm doing an unsolved case, which is not my thing. But when I read it, I was just very intrigued and it caught me by surprise. Uh, So yeah, I have, I mean, it's pretty well known, the disappearance of Tara Calico. Oh my gosh, I know this case. Oh, I also forgot to say that we have so much true crime updates that I feel like we might even have to do a separate episode just to inform you of everything that's going on in the world, guys. So before I get into my episode, we released like our third episode ever was the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. Yes. And I just wanted to inform the world. If you haven't listened to that episode, first of all, go listen to it. But the main suspect that was that got off, got away with murder, basically. People were like, no, it wasn't him. He, after Lord knows how many years at this point, has finally been convicted of this crime. He is the murderer linked by DNA. So... We told y'all. We told we y'all, Gene. To Gene tried to get off, and he... They said, oh, but he's a football player. They said he's a okay. and a football star. And? And he murdered those little girls. Um, and now we know that for sure. So once an unsolved murder is now a solved murder. We love to I see believe, it. Like 30-something years later, something crazy. So again, yes, today we will be talking about Tara Calico. So without further ado, let me just get all up in it. On the morning of September 20th, 1988, 19-year-old Tara Calico left her home in Bellin, New Mexico, in Valencia County, to go for her daily bike ride, where she rode along New Mexico State Road 47 on her mom's bright pink Huffy mountain bike, because hers had a flat tire that day. She left at about 9.30 a.m., as she did every single day, same route. Her mom, Patty Dole, would go with her sometimes, so she knew the route, but more recently, she wasn't joining her daughter on these rides. Her mother did, however, recommend that Tara start riding with some mace because there was a situation recently where a car was driving aggressively close to her and was like deliberately passing her multiple times, and it made her pretty nervous. And Sketched. Yeah, made her think twice about riding there every day, but she still did continue that. Uh, But for the most part, that was the only sketchy thing that ever happened to her. Every other ride was amazingly perfect and stress-free. As she headed out the door that very September day, Tara jokingly told her mom that she'd better come looking for her if she didn't show up by noon. Because she had made a date to play tennis with her boyfriend at 12.30, so her ride typically took no more than two hours, but Tara never came home. Her mom obviously freaked out and started driving up and down the road looking for any signs of Tara. And when she came up empty, she called the local police. The search party they put together came up with nothing as well. There was no Tara, no bike, not a trace of her along the road. Nobody was questioned and no one witnessed any kind of accident or abduction. A few people recall seeing Tara along the road, and one or two remembered a light-colored pickup truck they thought might have been riding along 
beside her. Why is it always a pickup truck? Or a van. Or a van. Oh, yeah. Literally. Like, you never seen a Hyundai abduct nobody, huh? Nope. Especially not one from Hyundai of Newport Ritchie. (laughs) Where volume makes the difference. (laughs) I hate me. So the only piece of evidence that came up in the time after her disappearance was pieces of her Sony Walkman and a cassette of Boston, less than three miles from their home. Four days after Tara's disappearance, more pieces of Tara's broken Walkman and Boston tape were found near the remote John F. Kennedy campground. This was over an hour drive from her house, obviously. So Patty would later become convinced that these broken pieces were dropped deliberately, part of her daughter's effort to leave a trail or of some sort. Um, but Tara and her pink bike weren't found. Since there was nothing for police to go off of, there was no foul play, no body, no suspects, no evidence at all, really. The police started to think Tara might have been a runaway. So this pissed her parents right off especially because the police were questioning Tara's home life. Her stepfather said, quote, there was just so much she wanted to fit into a day. She was like a little machine. It was amazing. And her mom described her as cheerful, brimming with enthusiasm. So both of them just were calling BS. This is has nothing to do with her home life. There was no possible way she could run away. There's no reason. And, like, if she was running away, also, why would she, like, leave a trail of her things? True. Also, she didn't take anything with her. Yeah. She literally just got on a bike and went for her daily ride. You don't think she would have packed a bag or you don't just run away with nothing. (laughs) Facts. On June 15th, 1989, nearly nine months after Tara Calico's disappearance, a mysterious Polaroid picture was discovered in a convenience store parking lot in Port St. Joe, Florida. So this is nearly 1,500 miles from where Tara had disappeared. The photo showed a teenage girl and a young boy laying on sheets and a pillow Oh my gosh, I remember this photo so vividly. It's kind of like disturbing. Yeah, so both of them had duct tape over their mouths and appeared to be bound. The woman who found the photo immediately called the police, telling them that a white Toyota van, as I said, a van, Mm -hmm. had been parked in the spot just before she got there. And then the lady gave a description of the man driving the van, saying that he was in his 30s and he had a mustache. Police quickly staged a roadblock to intercept the vehicle, but it didn't work. Also, how are you going to get somebody from just saying that they're in their 30s and they have a mustache? Every 30-year-old <laughs> man I know currently has a mustache. It's so true. So this Polaroid, it ended up getting so much attention that it even was in an episode of America's Most Wanted. And that's how it ended up getting back to Patty and John, her mom and stepfather. Someone mentioned to Patty that the girl in the photo resembled Tara. The girl in the picture had a discolored streak on her thigh resembling a scar This scar looked just like one that Tara had gotten in a car accident when she was younger. 
And then there was a dog-eared paperback next to her. So there was a book next to her written by V.C. Andrews. And that was one of Tara's favorite authors. So Patty was convinced, but the authorities were not. Yeah, because like, okay, I get that it's her favorite author, but like she didn't, it wasn't her book, right? We can say that because she didn't bring anything with her. Yeah, I would say that. Because I didn't read any descriptions of if she had a backpack on her that day. So I'm assuming she had nothing with her. Right. AKA, what did this V.C. Andrews book come from? And if somebody had abducted her, I don't know. In my head, I'm like, why would they just like let her just be reading and – Well, it kind of makes me think of like Ariel Castro, how he like gave them notebooks Try, trying to, like, gain their trust, something like that, giving them something that they want so that creating that, like, Stockholm Syndrome-type relationship. We love a good Stockholm Syndrome moment, huh? No, we do not. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, Patty was convinced authorities were not. When they were analyzing the photo, they came to the conclusion that it had been – recently taken, at least fairly recently taken, probably no later than May of that year, because the stock that it had been developed on hadn't been available previously. So it was a newer um, film develop. Soon after, the family of nine-year-old Michael Henley came forward to identify the young boy in the Polaroid. Michael had vanished in New Mexico in April of 1988 while on a hunting trip with his father And for a time, both of the families waited anxiously for news. In 1990, Michael Henley's remains were discovered in New Mexico's Zuni Mountains, just several miles from the campsite where he disappeared. He had died of exposure long before the Polaroid had been developed. So it was no longer believed that the boy in the photo was Michael. Authorities believed that he was not a victim of kidnapping or foul play. He just died from prolonged exposure to the wilderness after getting lost in the forest in the camping trip. Um, So his disappearance is no longer considered connected to Tara's. And in 1998, Tara Calico was declared officially deceased by means of an unsolved homicide. At that point, she had been missing for 10 years. Two other Polaroid photos that could have been of Tara Calico did surface over the years. One was a blurry photo of a girl's face with tape covering her mouth that was found near a residential construction site in Montecito, California. The, all of this evidence is just all over the place. Yeah, we've got Florida, we've got California. I mean, California is closer to New Mexico, but um, anyway. The forensic evidence suggested that it was taken sometime after May of 1989. The second was of a woman loosely bound with her eyes covered, sitting next to a man on an Amtrak train, dated roughly to February of 1990. So no charges were ever brought as a result of either of the images. Patty did find the Montecito image compelling, but... She just didn't believe that the girl on the train was her daughter, but she thought that the Montecito one was. I don't know. I feel like she, her mind was kind of playing tricks on her at this moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, you want to believe that it is because right. 
it's like in the first Polaroid, she was probably looking for it to be Tara because yes. multiple people had said, you know, this girl looks like Tara. The book the seemed book. like too good of a coincidence, the scar. So now that there's more photos, I could see her mom thinking, you know. Like confirmation bias. Right. So she did think that the Montecito one was her, but once she saw the Amtrak train one, she was like, yeah, that's not her. In 2003, Patty and her husband moved 2,000 miles away from their home in New Mexico to uh, deep down in Florida because they just said it was too hard to live in New Mexico anymore. Uh, I feel like a lot of families do end up doing this. We've mentioned in multiple cases um, that we've previously done that families sometimes move away just because it's too hard, too many memories in the in the cities that they were living in before. So yeah, everything reminded Patty of Tara and she just couldn't handle it anymore. Apparently it was a move that they had wanted to do for years, but they hadn't been able to bring themselves to do it. They always kind of half expected to get a break in their daughter's case. And after enduring dozens of just nothing, no tips, they appeared on multiple different shows. They were on Oprah. They were on Unsolved Mysteries. They were on 48 Hours and um, A Current Affair. They just were begging for news about their daughter. And they just decided, like, at this point, nothing is coming of anything. So we're going to get out of here. Her case did remain cold. And in 2008, Sheriff Renee Riviera of Valencia County, New Mexico, said that he knew what happened to Tara and he knew who did it as well. Oh, tell me more. So he didn't name the suspects, but he said that there were two men, teenagers at the time of the disappearance, who were following Calico on her bike when some kind of accident happened. They panicked, they disposed of her body, but they had no remains. And he said they couldn't make an arrest, obviously. Um, Sorry, where is he getting this information? So that's what I'm about to tell you. There was a man named Henry Brown who made a deathbed confession to police. He said that shortly after her disappearance, he had been in the basement of a man named Lawrence Romero Jr. And while he was there, he noticed that there appeared to be a young woman's body wrapped in a blue tarp and buried in kind of like a makeshift grave. So uh, Lawrence Romero, a man named Dave Silva, and another man with red hair apparently, told Henry that the body was Tara's body. They said that on the day of her disappearance, they, along with some guy named Leroy Chavez, were in a truck and they noticed her riding her bike. And while they were trying to get her attention, they accidentally struck her with their truck. And then they abducted her. Which I'd be like, then it's not an accident. You don't just like accidentally abduct somebody. I'm muted and I'm talking and didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. How do you accidentally abduct someone? That's like. I get accidentally hitting her with the truck, but you don't accidentally abduct her then after that. No. <laughs> So they took her to a grave pit and raped her, apparently. And then when Tara threatened to go to the police, that's when Romero stabbed her to death while Silva and Chavez and the third man with the red hair 
held her down. Um, They originally hid her body in a nearby bush. However, as the searches began for her, they moved her body to the basement. Henry told investigators that they threatened to kill him if he went to the police. He also said that he got away with the crime because Romero's father, Lawrence Romero Sr., was the sheriff at the time. Ah, there it is. Mm. That's he, why we didn't know about this. Right. So he and the other men's parents allegedly helped cover up the crime. Damn. He apparently found a note written by Romero Jr. confessing to Tara's murder and destroyed it. <gasps> and then Henry also told investigators that he believed the men later placed Tara's body in a pond near one of their houses Also, he said that her bike had been disposed of in a junkyard. Did they look into any of this? I, it didn't give me any information on it. What? Like, there's way too much detail here for me to, like, not believe that it's true. Right? So another man also came forward and told police that one of the suspects had confessed to him as well. So, and I find this fishy. I find this fishy. Yeah, that's, that's selling me right there. Uh, wait for it. Romero Jr. later committed suicide in 1991. Ah. Huh. Come on. It's not looking good for you guys. Yeah. They obviously took all of these confessions and ended up creating a team to reinvestigate her disappearance because obviously they, there was a lot to go off of right here. Um, and nothing came of it. Of course. How? How? They, did I, they not find the bike? Did they not find the body? Like, I'm angry. I want answers. No, This is why I hate unsolved cases. <laughs> well, it's like, it's one thing if it's an unsolved case with like literally no detail, but this is, this is a lot of detail. Exactly. Yeah. And something that will also piss you off is that in 2013, a different dying man confessed that he had seen three men, including the son of the Bellin, New Mexico officer, Throwing Tara's body into a pond. Too many coincidences. Why is everyone saying this guy did it? Well, obviously we don't have the guy anymore because the guy killed himself. But even just like the group of guys that's involved, like that's what I'm saying. There's other men that were there. I mean, obviously the main dude. We can't really charge him. Can we charge his dad though? Like for covering up? Can we charge the other guys? So if this stuff is true, can we rule out that the photo is her or? See, that's what I was thinking. I think like that. The original pool, right? right. So I think the original set of evidence, you know, the Polaroids and, you know, the whole book and scar, if they, I don't it just doesn't make any sense if this is the real story. Yeah, I don't see where that would fit. Right. There's just two different stories here, and we're not really sure, like, what the story is. Like, did she get abducted and brought to Florida, or did she really get, like, murdered by these boys and thrown into a pond? But how is there no body? No body, and, like, I mean, I guess the the bike in the junkyard, that'll be gone after a certain amount of time, but... Did they look in that pond? Like, I don't, I want to know. I don't know. And like, are people in the police force still connected to his dad to the point where like, they wouldn't want to 
dig this up or? Well, as late as September of 2021, Lieutenant Joseph Rowland with the Valencia County Sheriff's Office reported that a search warrant uh, relevant to the case was executed at a home in Valencia County, but the warrant was sealed. So, and there's been no updates about that since that was what? September of 2021. So a few months ago. Yeah. There's no details. Nothing's been released since that time. Well, I'm hoping they're getting answers and that's why they're so quiet. Yeah, I was about to say, I thought it would be interesting to do this case because I'm like hoping since I read that, that there will be some kind of tie to the end of it. Because you know me, I can't just, I can't just do an unsolved case without like hope at least. So sounds sounds promising. That does give me a bit of hope. Um, But again, nothing conclusive has been discovered Tara Calico has been missing for more than 30 years now, and her disappearance still remains one of the most haunting cold cases known. Her poor parents. I know. I think about that all the time. Like, just not even with Tara Calico. Obviously, now I think about Tara. But all of these unsolved mysteries and disappearances where they just have absolutely nothing to go off of, what must the families be thinking? Like, I can't. The bit of hope they probably have when the pictures they found and just nothing coming from that. Just terrible. I know. But I know that was short, but that's all I had on Mrs. Tara Calico. I'm praying. We'll be able to give you guys an update in the future. Yeah. Like, I never thought that I'd be able to give you guys an update on the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. And here I am telling you, the tea has been spilled. Gene Leroy Hart has been caught. So I'm hoping like such a good feeling. So good. I was screaming when you sent me that link. I know. Same. I could not believe it. I just, I justice, man, justice. That's what we're here for guys. We're just here to bring justice where justice is due. Thank you. (laughs) But for real, the fact that they have something as late as September of 2021, I'm itching. I know, I know. I feel good about that. And the fact that they sealed it, it. they sealed it for a reason, my friends. Why'd they seal it? They don't want us to know something. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. I know that that was a little bit different for me, but next week we have Erica's episode, and then I will be back to my my normal shenanigans of murderers and <laughs> serial killers and um surprisingly neither will i so stay tuned wow. i do live for that mm. oh my god i forgot to tell you i watched our father this morning oh my god wait oh it's out how was it it was so wild so wild i need to watch it shit you're going to be so pissed off at the end because I was. I was screaming at my TV like an old man watching sports. But yes, it is out. For all of you listening, Our Father on Netflix is out. And then Candy on Hulu is out. And Wait, I, I highly recommend about that. that. What's that one? Candy is based off of a real life situation that happened in the 70s um, with Candy Montgomery, who is... A holy woman. 
<laughs> a holy woman that possibly murdered one of her friends and neighbors. Um, oh. I know. But anyway, so Jessica Beale plays Candy, and she be killing it. Um, <laughs> literally. She literally do be killing it. Um but yes, I highly recommend that. Hulu keeps doing those things where it rele- the releases episodes, which do be pissing me off, because um, that's how they did it with the girl from Plainville, and I just oh, yeah, finished that. Finish that. Yeah, I finished it. Yeah, finished that, and then started watching Candy, but realized it was an episode situation. Uh, so I watched Our Father, and that was. Wild. So if you guys are just now finishing our podcast, and maybe you're at home, turn those on and let us know how you feel about them or let what are your. Know if you want to do episodes on them. Uh, we definitely should, 100%. But also let us know what you're watching right now. Yes, please. Give do. us a comment. Watching reruns of 90210, which is good for you, but also you need something different. <laughs> Agreed. We're almost done with Game of Thrones. Uh, so much to talk about then. Mm-hmm. But we won't bore you with any more of our shenanigans. Happy Friday. Happy anniversary to Crime on Caffeine. We love you guys. Don't forget to keep following us and subscribing and doing all the same things and telling all your people about us. Yes, thank you so much. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and be sure to rate us five stars and then follow us everywhere at Crime on Caffeine. Perfect. We will catch you on the next one.